0: What is going on guys? And welcome back to another episode of the fit shit podcast. I am incredibly excited to have Mr. David Mathis on the podcast today to talk about a controversial topic, something that's not widely talked about, especially by men. Um, and I think it's important, especially this month when it comes to mental health awareness. So, uh, David, please introduce yourself. And I'm so excited to have you on today.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. Um, first of all, I, I love the name of the podcast. I think it's a I think it's very awesome
0: fitting, podcast. right?
1: <laughs> it, it, it so is. And it, yeah, I just, I couldn't love it anymore. Um, like you said, my name is David Mathis. Um, obviously, um, Kate and I have known each other from grad school and been friends for years now. And I'm an online strength and physique coach. Um, I have a master's in exercise science. I was an army combat medic. Um, did a tour over in Iraq in 2010 and 11. Um, I've been in personal training since 2008. I don't really do it in person anymore, but um, married, just had my first daughter about four months ago. And yeah, that's about it. I don't I really don't, I, always, I never know how to go about these intros because it's like, how much do you want to know? How much do people already know? But that's the general gist of it. So
0: most of the time people just pick up my personality through as I talk. So I'm just like, hi, I'm Kate. I do all this cool shit and fitness, but um, let's talk about the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we were just talking about, you know, David's history. And so I I really want to dive into this. And it's something that we built our relationship on, right? I struggled a lot kind of with body dysmorphia throughout my graduate program and kind of prepping and kind of overcoming those obstacles, those mental things. Uh, it's something that I've worked through since 2017 when I got ridiculously shredded. And once you see yourself at that point, it's hard to remember that logically in the, in the big scheme of things, even when we come into a healthy body composition, we feel as though we are in a in a different element. I don't want to say the words fat, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like we feel fat or we feel obese or we feel unhealthy, um, because our perception of what a healthy body looks like is forever skewed. And so David, I really want you to just dive into your story about, you know, David had an eating disorder. Um, he has overcome that. Um, but what was kind of the trigger and how did it manifest? And then how did you really overcome that?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, during COVID, I had actually I wrote a book, my, my whole story in a book called "A Shell of Myself." It's on Amazon. So if you want to go into the whole depths of that, you guys can go check that out. But basically, you know, I had developed um, severe OCD and anxiety and depression um, and an eating disorder when I was in the army. Now, looking back, the signs started before that. All right, you know, like most things. There's never just that one moment or that one day it's, it's, it's events leading up to that. Right. Um, but mine really started back, not my eating disorder, but some of the issues that led to that started back when I was a kid. Um, for me, a lot of it led stemmed from my parents getting divorced when I was like five. Um, it led from, it stemmed from other events, like bad relationships, loss of friends, things like that. Um you know big life changes that i just wasn't i wasn't as mentally strong and prepared for like i should have been um and i never dealt with that stuff properly when it was going on and like a like a glass of water right you can keep filling it up with water and eventually one little splash is going to make it all start overflowing and for me that was some events that happened in the army um some unfortunate career uh, issues that were kind of out of my control that kind of sent me down a downward spiral, just the stress of being on deployment, um, you know, kind of having my whole world uprooted, things like that. It just got to be a whole, a lot for me. And what I did is I used controlling my food and controlling my exercise as a coping mechanism. Now my eating disorder had nothing to do with, well, I shouldn't say nothing to do, but the primary cause was not because I wanted to look leaner or i Mm -hmm. want to do this it was a coping mechanism for fear and anxiety and self-doubt you know not um lacking self-confidence all those things and i have been a huge fan and and um, of bodybuilding for pretty much my whole life i mean i'm old enough to where i was reading it in the magazines when it was on the stands back in the 90s right um i've been an athlete my whole life um you know, really into nutrition, really into training. And so it was just natural that those loves turned into obsessions for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I used those, like I kept saying, as a coping mechanism to, to not deal with the other underlying root issues that really caused my, you know, mental instability. Um, I was lonely. I was depressed. I was beating myself up, I, you know, what, better word. I was killing myself because that's basically what was happening. Slowly, yeah. I ended up in, uh, when I got back from deployment, about three or four months later, um, I ended up in the ICU at the hospital on base. Um, I had dropped down to a very low body weight. Um, I don't want to say a number just not to trigger people, but for a male, let's just say it was uh, well below what most females should be. All right. Um, My my health markers were very low. Blood pressure was very low. My resting heart rate was in the mid 20s. That's now everyone talks about have athletes having low heart rates. Yeah, that's true. But we're talking like low forties, not mid twenties. Right. Yeah. So I was hooked up to machines. They actually flew my parents, my parents up to base. Cause I wasn't supposed to make it through the night. Well, luckily I did <laughs> miraculously. I did, but I, 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 they ran every test you could possibly think of on me to see what was the cause of my rapid deterioration. They thought maybe I picked up something when I was in Iraq and it was just kind of manifesting. All the while, I think they started figuring out that this was a mental health slash eating disorder issue. Me, no, I was in total, total denial. Yep. isn't it? You know, yep. um, and I fought it for a long time and eventually I got healthy enough to where they released me, but they sent me to an inpatient eating disorder facility down in California, right outside of LA. I spent... I I get the dates mixed up. I think I spent five months there because later on, I went to another facility after I relapsed in and I spent another five or six months there too. Um, And basically I was just going through the motions just to get out of there. Like I, I didn't really want help, but I didn't know there was something wrong with me. I was that deep into this depression, this, this OCD and this anxiety that I developed and that eating disorder lifestyle became my identity. And it, it, it's what made me feel safe and secure. Um, and so who wants to let go of something that makes them feel safe and secure? Who cares if it's killing you? I That was the furthest thing from my mind, right? right. Even though I was facing death square in the eye in that ICU, um, you know, it, it just wasn't on my mind. And, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about it off, off a recording here, where I felt like, I was outside of my body looking down on myself, but I couldn't control my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, nothing. This OCD, this depression, this mental health like triad of illness that I had just had a hold of me and I could not do anything about it, but I also didn't want to do anything about it.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's really important to acknowledge is like, you don't change until you want to change. And I think this can tie over into a lot of different segments, right? Relationships, people, especially women, they get this idea of like, oh, he'll change for me. Like, (laughs) no, he's not going to change unless he wants to change. It doesn't matter how hot you are. Like it's, you know, it's not going to be that driving force. And it's the same thing when you have obstacles to overcome, especially like your own psychology and understanding yourself, right? I have become very self-aware over the last five years of my life because I understood my thought patterns were what was debilitating me from progressing. It was the things that were holding me back. And a lot of it is self-efficacy. And I find myself I have deemed, I don't even know if this is a thing, but, um, for myself, the things that hold me back is this, what I call like inadequacy syndrome, like for whatever role it is, like, I guess like imposter syndrome, similarly, like I'm just inadequate at whatever it is. And so for me, like when I was back in just getting into bodybuilding, like I would do whatever it took because I came out of a very abusive relationship And I had no control over anything. I had no self-efficacy. I did not find value in myself. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'll do two hours of Stairmaster a day and eat 800 calories. Like, cool. And then it just manifests into maybe I'll find value as, as my weight drops. And I used to, I would find myself feeling accomplished every time my weight would drop. Like I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. Right. And you have a coach at that time. And this was before all of this information was out there. Um, but it was like, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to fucking suck. It's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to, you're supposed to feel like shit, you know, just keep fucking going. Um, and I did, and I just, you know, I went until I got down to a very, very low weight, um, for myself, and the one thing that got me out of that, I remember I was in the hospital and my mother was sitting there as the doctors like got me on these machines. And he's like, if you do not stop doing what you are doing, your heart is going to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is your issue. And at that time I wasn't, like you said, like denial. And I was just like living outside of myself going through the motions, but I was so hyper-focused on nailing the things that I could control with my diet, with my training, with my cardio. It was like, I found value in running myself into the ground instead of addressing the fact that I had issues with my relationship with myself. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't find value in who I was because I had been so broken down from a previous relationship that I allowed to happen. And I hated myself for allowing it. And I think that that was me, expressing my own self-hatred on myself for allowing what happened to me to happen.
1: Well, you, you brought up control and that's exactly what it is. It's, it's taking back control, whether it's healthy for you or not, you're just seeking that, that control. And, and that's, you know, that was my issue too, is that I felt like, you know, I was a little bit older when I went into the army. I wasn't like a 17, 18 year old kid right out of high school. Like, I had a college degree and I had had a real outside college, real life job. And I, I was personal training on the side and I, I just left all that. And when you go into the military, like you are not in control of anything anymore. Like I was a 24 year old man having to ask someone if I could go take a piss. Like yeah. that's very, that's now it's a game. Like there, there's a lot of things you have to understand when you go into the military, but It also messes with you um, if you're not already mentally strong enough to handle it. And, and that's one thing that, you know, I, I looking back now, I don't think I was as mentally strong heading into it as I, I I definitely wasn't as mentally strong as I am now. And that's a, that's a good thing that I got from the army is that when I was able to get over my shit, um, it, it really strengthened me. And I'm very thankful for all the struggles I went through now or back then for now, but I just felt like I had all control taken away from me. And so what's the one thing you can control? You can control how much you put in your mouth and how much you move. Right. And listen, for some people, your coping mechanism might not be food or exercise. It it may be something else that you love. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's this or that, which, you know, I had a lot of drinking involved in that too. (laughs) But um, the point is, is that all of it comes back to one central thing and that's control. And it's very easy. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys know Kate's personality, and
0: <laughs> we're very Type A. Yep.
1: Very Type A, like A plus. Okay. We like things in order. We like to know what's going on. We like to have plans, and then contingencies, and contingencies upon contingencies. That's not how the world works. All right. Your best laid plans are probably going to fall to the wayside. <laughs> But that's okay. That's what life's about is adjustments and everything. I was not flexible. I was not able to adjust. Um, I was very set in my ways. But a lot of that, I, like I said, it had to do with one situation setting up the next, setting up the next, setting up the next that I did not properly handle right. That's why, like, you know, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, if you're dealing with something, you need to go talk to a therapist because
0: yes. you might
1: think that only this is affecting now, it's not. It's going to affect you the rest of your life. Um, But it's the control thing. And it's feeling like you're taking out all of your frustration, all of your anger, all of your hurt caused by something or somebody else. You're you're taking that out on you. Now, if you really sit down there and think about it, how fucked up is that?
0: No, it's incredibly fucked up. And I honestly, for a long time, just found myself apologizing. Like I had, you know, and, and I'm not saying um, that, you know, I don't even know how to phrase it. I've personally never come out and been like, I had an eating disorder. Uh, I definitely had disordered eating. I definitely had disordered relationships with exercise. I definitely,
1: you know, had, I think that's an important distinction because I think people think of them as the same thing. And, and they're not, when you go through a prep or you go through, you're going to have some distorted eating, like, no,
0: and I'm very,
1: Super yeah. But like an eating disorder is a whole nother level where like your whole world revolves around food, your thought process, your actions, how you set up your day, how you do all this. And that might sound like someone going through prep or someone going through their physical, but when it leaves you in such a debilitating manner that you have panic attacks and that you harm yourself and you do stuff like that. That's where the, that's where the page turns from disordered eating to eating disorder.
0: Yeah. Um, And I'm very clear about people. And I just had this conversation the other day. I think one of the, one of the worst things that happens with bodybuilding in general is people use the term binge eating too frequently. Every single person has overeaten. Every single person has overdone it. However, you'll see a lot of athletes be like, I binge ate. Well, binge eating is a disorder and it has it has a criterion. And if you truly feel like you are binge eating, like an out, out of body, and I've never ha- I've never binge ate. I was someone who was actually very afraid of food for a long time. So I don't have, I can't relate in in the psychology that happens. I can read about it and educate myself, but I can't kind of understand what happens to somebody. But from what I can take away from it is it's it's like an out-of-body experience where you're just numb or you black out and you don't remember it, right? That's different from, um, you know, oh, I was so hungry. And again, the adaptive process is a part of, you know, the food psychology element of contest prep. So you are going to become very food focused. You are going to crave highly palatable foods. You are going to feel hungry once you start eating, right? These are psychological adaptations of the animal brain to get you to survive. But once you come out of it, you know, that's those thought patterns and those things subside. Right. And so again, a lot of this stuff, we just have to be very careful with how we talk about these things. And so for me personally, I know in hindsight, and again, being very self-aware, um, that my issues with exercise, my issues with food intake, um, those came from a self loathing personality, something that I was very disappointed in myself for allowing. I, I took a lot of, um, of the kind of kickback, the fault for what happened to me. Um, and I'll just kind of give you a, a broad view as I was with someone for a long time, they had stepped out multiple times. They were physically abusive, emotionally abusive to the point where, you know, I had to go to the hospital. So it was just something where I was like, I can't believe I allowed that to happen to me. I know better. I was raised better. I felt very guilty going home and seeing my parents. And I just hated myself for being less than what my mother raised me to be. And so that's where it was like
1: the control. It makes you feel weak. Yeah.
0: Like my mom is a badass bitch. Like she raised me so much better than to ever let a man talk down to me and to ever let him put his hands on me. So it was one of those things where I just felt so much less than what I was supposed to be as a person right? I fell short of, of what I should have been. And I allowed things to happen over and over again. Right. Because I didn't see outside of that, like my own value, my own worth. And so it, it just manifested into, again, this one thing I could focus on where I hated myself so much that I was like, fuck it, you're going to suffer. And you're going to like, you deserve this. Um, and it's a very, very crazy place. And now that I've overcome it for such a long period of time, I'm like, oh my God, I don't even recognize that girl anymore.
1: You know, when, when I sat down, I started writing that book in March 2020, right when COVID hit. I was like, you know, what? I got a lot of time on my hands. This is something I've been wanting to do for a while. Even if it just helps one person, I'm going to write it, right? And it's just my whole life story. Everything from the moment I was born until, you know, I met my wife, got married, graduated college, you know, with our master's and stuff. But That's one thing that I I realized it was very hard is to go back and try to have to relive those moments in my head because I got very descriptive. I got very in-depth and very personal in this book because that's the only way it was going to be effective. I couldn't sugarcoat things. There was things in there my family never knew. There was things in there my wife definitely did not know and some things that she learned about me for the first time reading, reading my book. And it was hard to write, but it was also very therapeutic because I realized how much I'm not that person anymore. And that was very, very therapeutic. And, but it did not happen overnight. It, like, like I started saying at the beginning, I went through multiple inpatient facilities. I spent grand total of over a whole year of my life in inpatient facilities. And that's not even counting outside therapy outpatient treatment, none of that. That's over a year of my life locked into a facility therapy, eight hours a day, having people making my food, watching me eat, basically in a psych ward. Mm-hmm. It's basically how that, if you want to envision something, right. Looking back on that person, it made like, I sat there and cried a little bit writing this book, but it wasn't all bad crying. A lot of it was also like realizing, "Fuck, I just I don't know what it was, but I didn't give up as much as I wanted to." And at times, I probably did give up, but I didn't let myself stay in that state. I just got up every day with this this rejuvenated feeling of like, "Listen, it's not your fault. It's not your fault why you're in this position, but it's your responsibility to get out of it." And yeah. and it's your, you have people depending on you. You have people that love you, people that are not giving up on you. You don't have you should not feel like shit about yourself, right? There's no reason to feel like some of the things that helped contribute to me going down that bad road were literally things that were out of my control, but I took them personally. I took them onto me and I made them my responsibility. Well, that backfired on me. And it made me feel like you were saying, it made me feel like I was, worthless. And if you're feeling worthless, then nothing you can do that's possibly going to make you feel any worse. So you might as well just beat yourself up. And that was the mindset that I had. And it sounds like that's the mindset you had too. But when you do start to make that decision that, listen, you only have to make the decision that you don't want to live like that anymore. You don't have to make the decision of like knowing what direction you need to go. You just need to first start off, be like, I don't want to do this anymore.
0: So for me, and, and this, again, I think it all really comes back to, and I, this is where I, I really hope people take messages and apply it to your life. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I've, I don't think I've ever actually shared any of this about my personal life. So this is a doozy, but like, I remember I, I mentioned like being on a hospital bed and my mom being there. Um, and they were saying, if you don't stop, like you're, you're going to die, dude. Yeah. And I remember looking up and my mother Let me tell you, like, I've told her this since I was a kid and I'm not going to cry when I get emotional about it. Like she is the most important person in my life, the most important person in my world. I would fucking kill somebody for that woman. Like, you know, the amount that she sacrificed for me and my siblings, like I see it and it's like, I can overcome anything. And in that moment, I remember laying there like, fuck you, Kate. I don't care if you make it, but you're going to get up and do this for her. Like, it wasn't about me. It was for my mom. And this comes down to everything you do in your life, even bodybuilding or whatever your fitness goals are, like if you have a strong enough why, I don't give a shit what's in your way, you're going to overcome that obstacle, right? And this is where when I have onboarding calls with people about what their goals are, right? I just had an onboarding call with a woman the other day who was doing this crazy fasting protocol from a coach, which is ridiculous. She's been on every diet under the sun. And she's like, I can't keep doing this. I have a nine-year-old daughter who embodies and watches everything I do right? And so her why is so strong that she's, she's shown up and crushed everything that I've asked her to do been incredibly coachable because she knows at the end of the day, she has someone that is looking up to her that she needs to be better for. And maybe it's you, maybe it's someone you love. I don't care what the reason is, but just be aware that when you come to making these decisions, if you have a strong enough, why it doesn't matter the amount of effort it's going to take for you to change. You are going to invest in that change.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, My whole world. Now, listen. I'm not going to say like I don't still love it, and it's not still. I'm not still a fan of it. But when I found out, actually, it was almost a year ago. um, It was actually on my birthday, November 19th of last year, is when I found out that we were going to have our daughter. Uh, My wife told me that she was pregnant. So almost a year ago, my whole world just switched. Like I started thinking about things different. I started viewing things different. Um, And I hadn't, I didn't even have a daughter yet. I had a little little embryo (laughs) in there. Um, But over the, over this past year, a lot of things have changed in my mind. A lot of um, clarity has come about. A lot of confusion has also come about, but I have a whole different why now than I did 13 months ago. Right. And so, you know, we were kind of talking about bodybuilding and stuff off. Like, listen, I love bodybuilding. It's great. It's fun. I'm always going to love it. I don't give a shit about it anymore. And, and I, and that's just me personally, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to be 37 in a few weeks, um, about 10 days. And I've been dealing with injuries for the last couple of years. And I, like right now, my goal for the rest of my life is Mm -hmm. I'm still going to be competing and stuff. And I'm actually going to make an announcement down the road.
0: Wait, bodybuilding competing or power in something else. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, But when I get healthy, when I get my body healthy again, I have a whole new goal and I have a whole new perspective of what I want my fitness to look like and everything. And I, I, I made a post the other day as far as what is fitness to you. Right. And you have to understand what you want. And right now what I want is I want to be the healthiest. I want to be the most energized, most agile, well-rounded athlete I can possibly be for for my daughter for the rest of my life. I don't want to be 10 years down the road, not being able to play with my daughter. I don't want to be laid up and injured. And I want to show her what a healthy relationship with exercise and food looks like. Now I have a healthy exercise or healthy relationship with food and exercise now, but I know that if I were to get healthy, and really dig deep into bodybuilding again, I, I can see myself going down a bad path. And for me, it, it's important to understand and be aware. Yeah. Uh,
0: because of that type A personality, you'll get lost yeah. in the sauce and I've done it. I've done it a million times and that's why, and again, I want to kind of preface my timeline as well. Like this whole disordered thing for me was from like 2000 and. 16 to 2018. So that's kind of when I overcome it. So it's been years that I've been removed from it, but I do want to, um, you know, talk about coming out of it. And, and one of the most important things, and I don't want people to feel ashamed of this. And I feel like a lot of people get really weird when you say I went to therapy, but let me tell you, there is nothing wrong with acknowledging that something is not you, like you are not you. And I can only, like David said, like, it's a very out of body experience. Like you're in your body, but you have no control over what the fuck is going on with it. And you don't like the way that you're operating or thinking, but you can't stop it either. Like being so self-aware that you're like, at this point, I need some help. I need guidance. And the only way that I was really able to overcome that self-loathing and find the things that I love about myself and that I am valued and I do bring value and I'm you know, I am worth a fuck ton of things. You know, the only way that you overcome you, the only way you get there, the only way that I got there was by really airing out my dirty laundry and saying it out loud, the things that I hated that I allowed the things that were holding me back from forgiving myself and being very honest, being very honest with myself, being very
1: honest with someone who got to be real with yourself. And I think that's what holds people back is they're afraid of what they're going to uncover about themselves. Like, if you don't speak it, nobody knows it, right? And you
0: keep sweeping it under the rug. But in this, again, it could be anything. It could literally be anything. Like, please believe like every single human being, first of all, has said something that they shouldn't have said, done something they shouldn't have done, operated in a manner that what is not reflective of their best self, right? So understanding that, like you're fearing judgment of other people who may or may not be at a point where they can address the fact that they've done some shitty things themselves. And that's not on you, to hold back from going through your own self-awareness journey first per se, because it's only going to enhance your life so much better. Because once you're aware of the habits that you have, which everybody has habits, good and bad, right? Some of them we're aware of, some of them we're not. But once you can point them out and be like, I don't like that about me right? Once you're very aware of that and what causes it or what, what is the pressure that makes you operate in that manner? You can go, okay, I need to flip a switch here. Maybe it's a person or a group of people you're around where you just don't feel accepted or whatever it might be, right? Remove yourself from that. You don't have to be in any environment that doesn't allow you to be your best you, or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a career path that you're seeking, whatever it might be. If it's not, allowing you to become and continue to be your best self, then you need to have that very honest conversation with yourself about what's going on and how you can change that.
1: Well, I mean, that's great that you just brought that up. I mean, I made, probably many people know, I made a big career change recently and I had to have that conversation with myself. is Am I in an environment that is bringing out the best version of me? Is this is this going to help me and my family move forward? And I don't mean from a financial standpoint, I mean from a happiness standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to make the tough, the tough call, tough in some aspects, very easy in other aspects to make that change. But I, I just wanted to point out that I, you know, going back to the therapy thing, this I think that this is really cool that we have our two perspectives on here because yours was a very um you had somebody that was physically doing something to you, Yep. right? Mine was nothing like that. Mine was from the aspect of just life, like parents' divorce, uh, a loss of relationship, you know, a death of a friend, you know, poor career, unfortunate circumstances in the art. Like, it doesn't matter how deep your wounds are or what extreme they were caused by. It doesn't matter. Like, we're all going to deal with stuff in our lives. We all have different um, circumstances that we're going to face. And we don't know which situation is going to affect us or not. Right. The thing is, is that you have to recognize that it's affecting you and reach out for help. So, no matter how big or small, you don't have to be in an abusive relationship to still feel broken. Right? And I
0: just want to point out, like, that's an extreme. And that was my experience. Every single human being has a trauma.
1: Right. Yes. And it's not no.
0: valid. It's yeah. not valid for someone to say, my trauma is worse than yours. Like, yeah. no, every yeah. single person, whatever it might be that you've been through and experienced, has some type of trauma. Now, maybe it's easy for you. Maybe you're mentally strong enough to work through that with your family or support that you have. For mm-hmm. me, it was at a point where I needed to just air it out. I couldn't even face my mom and tell her the truth of everything. And so I needed to find kind of a a uh, middle line person that I could speak to and work through it. That I didn't want to disappoint because at that time, now I can talk openly about it. And my mom does know everything, but at the time, I was trying to work through it. I wasn't ready to face it in front of my mom.
1: And and I think there's some things that need. I I don't really think that. Uh, and I'm, I don't mean this to sound the way. I don't think family can fix everything. Uh, no, absolutely not families, you know, hopefully you have a a good family and they're there for you and they love you and support you, but you, there's always going to be a bias, Mm -hmm. right? You you have to be able to seek somebody else. That's going to have an unbiased opinion. That's going to just look at the facts, help you sort out your thoughts and feelings. Cause there's always, anytime you are dealing with somebody that has a relationship with you, either a friendship, a a loving relationship, whatever spouse, parent, whatever they are going to not tell you a hundred percent of what you need to hear. And that's just, or go ahead.
0: Or what I will, what I will say is very important. They're not trained therapists. They are not professionals in the field. And so the, the feedback that they're going to give you, while it might be validating for you to hear it and it might make you feel better, might not be the appropriate steps for you to take. And sometimes even relying on friends for their advice. You have to remember they're not therapists and sometimes airing your dirty laundry on someone else who's not ready to receive it can impact that relationship because they don't know how to respond. And so don't what, what advice I would give you is don't, if you're really struggling with overcoming something, don't put that stress that you have, the things that you need to work through on somebody else's shoulders who loves you because they want to help you. But on some level, it can be very daunting and exhausting because they aren't qualified to help you work through that. And they don't know how.
1: And, and what they're going to tell you is based off of their experience, their life experience. Now, life experience does not equate to actual, you know, sound medical advice that you're going to get from a therapist that has studied, gone to school, worked different case studies, things like that. So, you know, I think that it's very important, even, even if you're not in a place where necessarily everything's going wrong, I think it's still healthy to touch base with a therapist every now and then. I still do. I
0: still do as well.
1: And it's, it's, it's healthy because you might, you might actually not think that something's bothering you, but it really is. And it might be affecting the way you, you are handling situations, relationships, different things in your life, but it might not be in the forefront of your mind, but that therapist is trained to dig a little deeper, ask the right questions, get your brain thinking in a different way. And it could unlock something that you're like, Oh, that could have turned into something worse down the road. I can tell
0: you like still to this day, I have issues with relationships and we've talked about this a million times, right? It's still, and even though I've overcome a lot of the things that I needed to, like I still struggle with this idea that the next person I am now very abrasive in relationships. I'll just be very honest about that, right? I move very slowly um, and, and there are things that will trigger me to get very nervous. And it's not that the person did anything to me but it's almost like you have PTSD from certain things. And it's like, I blame myself for that still. And so I feel very, um, I put a lot of guilt on myself because that new person that comes into my life they didn't do it to me yet I'm responding in a way that someone else conditioned me to respond in and so when I talk about still going to therapy like these are things that I still work on like I I know that it's not fair for me to treat somebody differently for something they didn't do to me I know right. that's not fair but until I find the value in the sight of myself, that's like someone who loves you will work through that with you and overcome it with you because you deserve that. And finding that Kate, you deserve somebody who's like that, that will do that with you. Like those are still hard concepts for me.
1: Well, and and, you know, relationships, everybody has to realize like you're bringing two people with two completely different histories together. Like there's going to be things that come up in relationships that you're not going to see eye to eye on or you're going to have certain baggage that maybe the other one doesn't have and they don't they've never dealt with that before. It's not that they don't want to deal with that or they don't want to help you, they don't know how to. So going to couples therapy is a very healthy thing as well. It doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed or anything like that. And but being able to work on yourself before all that is so crucial. I, you know, I've talked about it in the book that you know, I met my wife in 2018 and you know, I hadn't been, I hadn't been in a relationship with anybody in years before that. And part of it was, I was sick and I was going through all that stuff. But the other part of it is when I did get healthy, I didn't, I didn't trust myself and I didn't trust people. And I had to spend some time working on me so that I was in the right place to accept somebody into my life. And it's like, when I was in that place and I got to that place, Good things happened. Right. But it would not have happened. And my wife was the same way. And we've talked about that where if we hadn't taken time to work on ourselves, we never would have found each other because she would have pushed me away or I would have pushed her away. And the simple fact is, is that you're going to need to work on you. The other person is going to need to work on them and then you're going to need to work on yourselves together.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important because a lot of people think that there's this idea that someone else will fix me, right? If I just do this, someone else will fix me. Um, you know, and, and for me, it's been, I love being alone. I'm very good at being by myself. I have a ball of a time. I make myself laugh right And I have, you know, I'm good at being, Alone, I'm good at being me. I love who I am at this point in my life. Um, Yes, we all have shit and baggage and there's always self improvements. And I do believe that's true for everyone, regardless of you want to acknowledge it or not. Right. There's things that we can continue to grow and evolve into. And so, you know, relying on somebody else to fix you is not fair to them uh, because they have their own shit to fix and putting it on somebody else can actually build resentment. Um, and so I think it's important what you said is really to just be the person that you want to become own your shit, be very self-aware of it and take the action steps to fix it. Right. You can't put that on somebody else.
1: Well, in, in something that I wasn't even thinking about until it just popped in my head was be open to the people around you that you love and care about be Mm -hmm. open to them addressing that something might be up with you. Don't take, don't get defensive about it. And listen, I do get defensive about it. Fully admit it. Even though <laughs> I'm telling you this and I recognize it, it's a natural human nature to get defensive about it. All right. But yeah, keep I can through that because these people know you, there's certain things that you as human beings, we have this awesome ability to make ourselves believe everything, anything we want. Right. We also have this horrible ability to make ourselves believe anything we want. So we can, we can ignore these obvious signs, right? But if we actually open up and trust and just, just listen to what people are saying and give it some thought, you might actually find like, oh man, maybe I am doing something that I don't want to do or that I need to talk about before it gets worse. Right. So
0: I actually, this is how I realize who my real friends are and who are not. And I mean this in the most respectful way, but people that are very close to me are very good at calling me out on my own bullshit. Mm -hmm. And they're very like, Hey, did you see what you said there? Like the way that you said that, or, Hey, I got to let you know, like, you know, this is not aligning with who you need to become. Like, I just want you to be aware of it, right? They're not assholes, but they're like, Kate, come on. Like, you're better than that. Like, Jordan Syatt, for example, is my absolute best friend. Um, I tell, like, we talk about my, you know, desire because I, I'm at a point in my life where I want to have kids and I know I want to have a family and like all those amazing things. But one, like, you have to, you know, open yourself up to allow that. Um, but too, he was joking around the other day and he's like, well, I want to give you some bad news. He's like, I just want you to know that women with higher IQs actually tend to struggle finding partners in life, which is something I didn't know. Right. And it's just like really funny things, but whenever I take an action step or I have self-doubt and something like, him and a couple of other people in my life are very good at pointing it out. For example, like when I'm in big environments with a lot of people, I become very standoffish because I'm assessing, you know, the environment. I'm reading people, I'm reading the room. And that can come off as me not wanting to participate. It can come off as I don't want to engage with you. And so I have to be very aware of the way that I operate in large environments and make sure that I'm not presenting myself in that way because that's not my intention. But even though you have the best of intentions in any given context, it's not about how you intend it to be. You have to remember people perceive it differently.
1: And so that's something
0: I've had to over the last couple of years, especially with coaching and traveling to events is be very aware of, okay, I love these people and I want to be around them. I need to present myself in that way, even in the way that I, you know, you move, and your patterns and all that stuff and the way that you speak instead of being like hold on let me stand over here by myself and kind of assess what's going on here
1: (laughs) what's the most important thing about communication is presenting it in a way that someone's going to receive it Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how you want to to present it right it doesn't if you're going to present it in a way that someone else is not going to receive it it's not effective communication correct so understanding that about yourself or understanding it about how Somebody else is communicating is so crucial. I mean, I've learned so much more about myself and my wife over the last year in terms of how we communicate to each other and what each other needs in terms of communication. And it's been eye-opening, right? And, that, and that's what everything is, everything's about growth. And, and and we can talk about relationships and all that we want, but it first starts with how are you communicating with yourself? Mm-hmm. How are you talking? This is what I have a huge conversation with clients about is how you talk to yourself determines how you're going to act. Right? Okay. So if you have a bad day and you're like, I'm a failure, I'm fat, this and that, then you know what you might, you're done. Like you, You've already lost. You've already lost the, the battle at that point. It all starts with up here. What do you think? How do you talk to yourself? Are you one that's going to be like, okay, I had a bad day. I'm feeling a little off today. I'm feeling a little bloated. It's nothing big. I'm going to get right back on the horse tomorrow. I'm going to be fine. Right. That is going to take you miles ahead of, I'm fat. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I might as well just give up. Why am I even trying? Like you are the person that communicates with yourself the most throughout the day. Yep. So if you're constantly talking shit to yourself, how do you think other people are going to talk to you? You're going to carry yourself in a manner that is going to not command respect. They're not, you're going to carry yourself in a manner that people do not want to be around, right? And you're going to be lonely, you're going to be isolated, you're going to attract these losers and these, you know, horrible friends, horrible, uh, I don't even want to call them friends, but horrible people in your life that are going to steer you down bad paths or make you feel like you're less of a person. And it's not, it's not because of them. It's because of you. It's because you let them into your life. And this is where
0: I am very, very passionate in things in my coaching realm, right? You will always be the product of your choices, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are not going to own your shit, you're never going to get to where you want to be. It's nobody else's fault. It's nobody else's fault that you are where you are, right? And, And this comes down to even the worst things that I've been through. I take accountability for, because again, like even back to my story, like, did I ask for that? No, but I do take ownership of it, right? I should have been stronger to leave earlier and I did not, right? So it turned into something when I should have taken the action step and hindsight's always twenty twenty um, when it comes to these things. But you have to remember that you know yourself better than anybody. You know, yourself, but you have to take the time to learn yourself and how you think and what you think and being able to call yourself out on a negative thought pattern, because it's, if you're just being aware of it now, I'm telling you, it's been going on for a long time. The way that you think about things, your perception of them, like until you start acknowledging the way that your thoughts are going is not conducive to who you want to be. That's when the power, you take the power back. That's when you realize that how you're living your life. Isn't the way that you want to continue to live and being self-aware of all of those thought patterns and how you move and how you operate and what you think, not only about yourself, but those around you, your environment, right? All of that stuff, your work, all of those things are going to cascade into finding your value within you, right? If work sucks and you feel like you're not being validated in your work environment, well, you're going to feel like you're a piece of shit and you don't deserve to be validated, right? And then you're going to be like, well, fuck this. And then I'm supposed to meal prep, but I'm not fucking doing that because blah, 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 right? And it, it ties over into different elements of your life. Whereas if you start advocating for yourself and you speak up because you know your value and you change the way that you think about yourself, your work, your body, whatever it might be, right? That's where you start to gain the power back. And that's where you can overcome those obstacles in your life that you feel are holding you back. But it all starts in your head.
1: The, the book, so over the last few months, I've really gotten into reading. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where that came from, but I just really thoroughly enjoy it right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I've gone through five books in the last two months that I've read and they're all well I don't want to say life changing but they're all very um they've changed my perspective on a lot of different things and one of them in particular and and the reason why I think it's relevant to this conversation is Jocko's book Extreme Ownership
0: yes I love that Love it,
1: love it but what he said in this really made me It changed my approach, not only with myself, but with my clients. And listen, if any of my clients are listening, they know I will be your biggest cheerleader, but I will also be your biggest critic. Um, and it comes from a place of love because I want to see you succeed. Now I don't do it in a vindictive way or anything like that, but I will point out stuff that needs to change. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's because I want you to succeed. But Jocko said something in the book that really stuck with me. He said, things might happen. I'm kind of paraphrasing things might happen that are not your fault, right, but it's your responsibility, and I know I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. There's going to be a lot of things. You are born into a certain situation out of your control, right? Some people have an upper hand in some areas. Some people have an upper hand in other areas. Some people start, starting and finish, starting line is a little different, right? Some people are maybe 40 yards ahead. Some people are, you know, back. The point is, is that we can't really change what situation we're, we're born into, Right, we're there, but what we can do is we can make chain choices and we can take the responsibility onto ourselves to better that situation, to put ourselves in new circumstances that is going to help us succeed. That's all we can do. And you know, with ourselves and everything, too, I think that sometimes, and I was guilty of it too, I got caught up in this self pity mode. You know, I should have been an officer, I should have gone this career route, I should have done this, but people led me in different directions. And although that's true, know there's no denying that that was true it's my responsibility it was my responsibility not to let that get to me it was my responsibility to take action to overcome those horrible situations that i was put into right because no situation is permanent except for death right so as long as you can keep that perspective and you can understand that listen it doesn't do me any good to feel sorry about the situation i'm in right Mm -hmm. Doesn't do me any good to keep beating myself up over it. It's not going to get me any closer to where I want to be. You know, being in this situation doesn't change the fact that I know where I want to go. You have to take responsibility. And I think there's too much of that not happening nowadays. I
0: think yeah, I spent I many think...
1: years dodging responsibility. I talked about it in the book. I'm like, this was not my fault. This that was my mindset. This is not my fault. This is on somebody else. At the end of the day, it might be true. It probably is true doesn't change the fact that you are responsible to take the next steps to change it.
0: Yeah. And I, again, like um, I think it's really important um, to acknowledge that. Number one, what you said is really important. Any situation that you're in in life is very temporary. You have the power to change it. You always have the power if you acknowledge that the power is yours. And at the end of the day, I think this is a hard realization for people to take, but it's true. Nobody gives a shit how you live your life. They love to judge it, but they don't give a shit how you live. Right. And if you want to live a better life, you have to take the action steps, regardless of whether it might hurt somebody else's feelings. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, everybody's consumed and worried about them. They love to judge, they love to hate, they love to make comments, but at the end of the day, they're doing that for their own purpose and they focus on themselves and what they can achieve with any given situation. So you have to be your own advocate. You have to take your own steps. And regardless of your previous past, your choices, things that you've done, maybe you're not proud of, that past is done. You cannot change it. You have to let it go. And until you forgive yourself for any of that stuff, you're never going to move forward into building the life that you deserve and that you want.
1: Well, and here's the thing, that past, even though it's done and it's over with, it can easily become your future if you do not learn from it and take responsibility to change it.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah. You'll just continue to live in the same cycle. Yeah. And if you don't learn from it. Yeah. yeah, With
1: people in abusive relationships. Why do they keep getting in abusive relationships? Because they are running from the responsibility of changing their actions to get away from people like that, Mm -hmm. right? And now obviously being in an abusive relationship, it's not your fault. That's not what I'm saying. It's, it's a hundred percent on the other person, but. But it's comfort even, but because it's at comfort. the end of the
0: day, like one thing I noticed, even afterwards, like guys I would talk to and date, I knew they weren't long-term. I knew that going into it. Oh, he's not a long-term person. He's not going to be, he's just, you know, the now guy and he'll leave and do whatever shitty shit that he would do. Right. But it was what I knew. And so yeah. I, I could, I could seek that out. Right. And then I had to realize like, I want better. I want better for myself. Yes, I first, want to I feel better. And,
1: thought.
0: and now that, yeah. And now I'm very, very cautious with how I communicate. I'm very much myself right from the jump. I know I own my shit. And um, you know, I think that that's really important. But one thing that you said that I really want to go back to is this victim mentality. Mm. And this is where our culture has shifted a ton. Um, and it's one of the most, frustrating things because it's easier to play the victim in any given situation than to take ownership of where you lacked in that situation and learn from it, right? Life is all about learning. In any given context, you're going to fuck it up. I tell this to clients every single time I talk to them on the phone, regardless of what their goal is, you are going to fuck this up. You're going to fuck it up. I fuck up shit every day, right? And I know that, but I take little lessons, even if it's a small fuck up, right? Maybe I didn't do write a sentence with proper grammar. Like, you know, you learn from that and you implement it going forward. And so in any given context of your life, You're going to fuck it up and that's okay because it's not about living your life perfectly. It's about taking the lessons and seeing what you can evolve into in life. Like That's what I get excited about. I know that I've overcome a fuck ton in my life and I'm really excited about that. But boy, I still have things that I wanna work on and overcome and build and succeed in and accomplish. And I can't do that if I sit right here and be complacent with Kate. I'm not okay with who I am now. I'm very happy with who I am right now, but there's so many other things I want to achieve within myself, within my business, within my life, within my relationships. And I can't continue to do that. If I don't focus on continuing to level up, I can't accomplish those things. If I go, this is great for you, Kate, you just fucking kick your feet up and keep chilling. Right? Absolutely not. I cannot do that. And I won't do that. So with society now, right? There's always going to be an excuse for you. And there's always going to be another party that's willing to validate that excuse that you're making for yourself, right? That is not what I do as a coach. I will never be that coach. I don't, I do not want to operate with that line of integrity. Um, I'm here to tell you what you need to hear because what you've been doing and where you're at and how you're going about it isn't working, right? That's why you hired me in the first place.
1: Exactly. And the victim mentality thing, it's, it's something that I, I have a huge passionate disdain for. I really do. Like, I mean, you know, we can talk about what's going on in society nowadays and how people are and all this stuff too, but <clears throat> that's the whole general gist of it is, listen, you, you're not a victim of anything. Okay. You, you. Now why should I should say that now there's people gonna be like, oh, I was you know this or that. I was okay, I get it. But that mindset is what is holding you back. All right. If you are always going to be the victim, how are you ever going to play the hero of your own story? Like honestly, you you want all this great stuff, right? You want this physique, you want this PR and in powerlifting, you want this job, this education, you want this relationship. You want to be the hero of your life. You can't be the hero and be the victim at the same time. So you got to really sit back and choose what is it that you really want? If you want to play victim, that's fine. Don't expect anything out of your life.
0: And, and just and know that no one's coming to save you. you. Exactly. Yeah. No one is coming to save you. Like, And I think that's what I mean by people, while you have friends and you have family and you have all those people that love and support you, no one is going to show up for you. No one is going to do it for you. And if you're waiting on someone to show up and take care of you and do it for you, it's not going to happen, Mm -hmm. right? And so as much as my mother loves me and I'm sure I could call her and ask her for help and she would do it, she's not going to live my life for me. She's not going to build the dreams that I have for myself, right? She's instilled a lot of character in me, right? And she's given me a lot of tools that are going to help me get there. But that's what people that love you do. They push you to be better. They give you the tools that you need to continue to grow and manifest the dreams that you have. But at the end of the day, regardless of even your best friend, they're out here fucking up their life because they want to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish, right? They're not coming in here to be like, oh, I'm going to live my life to serve you and do everything that you want me to do. Like, hi, like that's not how life
1: works this is one of the examples. I love when, I love when somebody asks me on Instagram or one of my clients or whatever, they're like, you know, I, I, I want to go to the gym and I want to get started, but I'm, I'm so afraid everyone's going to be like laughing at me because I don't know what I'm doing. No like, one gives a shit. I was like, and, and I actually made another post about this, I think a month ago. And, and actually I had a lot of great feedback from it, but it's like, you're not as important as you think you are. That's the truth. Like, maybe someone is going to laugh at you at the gym for like a second, and then they're going to completely forget about you and move on. They're not going to think about you. You'd have zero impact on their entire day. Why are you letting them affect what you want to do and what you need to accomplish? Because what you need to accomplish isn't going to happen in one day. So if you don't get started, you're never going to get to where you want to get to, right? And life, you know—you talked about life a little bit ago. You know, I know this isn't the technical definition of life, but when we think of life, what do we think of? We think of evolution, right? We think of from when you're a little itty-bitty embryo in your mom's womb, right, to when you get born and you're a little baby, to a toddler, to a whatever the stages are, childhood up to adult, right? Life is about evolving and growing, right? So if you are staying put, by definition, you are dying. You are not living. You are dying. Because growth in life can only happen when you are striving to make linear improvements upwards, right? So. You have to be in this mindset where, listen, I might be in a rut right now, but it's just for right now. I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm going to make the choices that need to be made right now that might not pay off right now. That's the important thing. Also your choices and what you need to do for your future might not pay off right now. Right. We spent a couple years in grad school. Mm -hmm. We, we weren't, making this big jump up. We were kind of just, we're in grad school. We're kind of just here, kind of getting through, right? So that when we got done, we can make a step up in our life.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Buckner for making it hell.
1: dude. But I
0: literally learned so much. much I learned so much from the way that he taught and the way that he tested because he forced you to think outside the box. Right. So, and I think that's another, I mean, we could talk about grad school for another time, but, um, I do think, you know, investing in yourself at the end of my emails, you know, one thing about me is I have a very, um, I don't know if it's a mantra, but it's be a good person and do the right thing and don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that last point is really critical. People fear taking the step to invest in yourself. I'm about to hire a business coach, like mentor, who's a good friend—not a good friend, a great acquaintance of mine—who calls me on my bullshit. But in order for me to continue to build myself as a coach and in my business, there's areas about business I don't know. How am I going to learn them? By investing in myself and my company to have someone guide me through that process, who's already done it, who knows more than me. Instead of me sitting here being like, "Oh, I can't invest in that," so I'm going to waste my time trying to figure it out when I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, right? And so, whether your goals are are you trying to figure out how to get to the goal of fitness level that you want to achieve. And while that's all great and dandy, what you're doing hasn't worked for you. That's where you invest in somebody else who is an expert in doing what they do, right? That's what we do. That's what we went to school for. That's what we've invested in mentors for. And trust me, mentors are very expensive, right? But all those things, like you, we've made the investments to be experts in that area, but I'm not an expert in business. I'm not an expert in fashion. I'm not an expert in house buying and whatever the fuck, like, you know, I have my own lane that I stay in. And so when it comes to, you know, understanding when I need to outsource things to build, continue to evolve in, in myself and my element, my business and my practice and all those things I want to achieve, right? There's this, there's a saying, the jack of all trades is a master of none.
1: Nice. Right.
0: So focus on what you're good at. If you're a great mother, a great businesswoman, a great whatever it might be, right? Focus on that and then outsource in the areas that you want to improve in, but it's not your area. And that's okay.
1: Think of think of your ROI, think of your return on investment. Is this going to Is me taking the time to do this going to make me more money than me just finding someone who is good at it and allowing me to spend more time on what I'm good at, right?
0: Or maybe it's not even money, like financially. Like your return on the investment is you have... Let's say your health markers are shit and you need to get healthy and you don't know what to do. And you've been trying this. You've tried every diet under the fucking sun. You can't stick to it. You're frustrated. You know, you're worried about showing up for your kids. You're worried about your longevity of life, right? And the best thing that you can have is a high quality life. Like David was talking about. He's not worried about bodybuilding. He's worried about being able to show up for the rest of his life for his daughter, right? And so if you're not an expert in that, that's where, you know, getting the full return on the investment instead of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on these stupid fucking mainstream programs, invest in a coach that can educate you. Invest in someone who is an expert in that, right? For me, I fucking suck at makeup. I've invested in getting Zoom calls with makeup artists to try to figure out how to do my fucking face. Like, you know, it's not my area of expertise, but at the same time, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to invest in people who are better at those things than I am. So I think-
1: I think if you if you think of it, if we're going like to just think of it in terms of like your body and your health and all that, like think of your body as you're you're, you're the CEO of your business. How do businesses grow? How, how do you how do you grow as a business? Well, you invest a little, you make a little money, you make a little capital, you reinvest that capital into the business so that you can grow to the next level. Then you take a little bit more of that you reinvest it in you grow up it's the same thing with your health with your mental health with your physical health with your strength you have to be willing to not expect the dividends right now yeah like, and- do not expect that and, and if you do have some great progress and all that wonderful reinvest that into yourself right learn something new that's going to help take your health and your performance and everything up to the next level from there and just be patient with the results. Don't, don't slam yourself because you didn't make any progress in a month. All right. That's, it's not going to happen. I, I don't even do month to month packages with my clients because I do not want them to get this false impression that they're going to have this drastically, you know, magnificent change in just 30 days. It's a, it's a process, right? And you have to be willing to invest in yourself and be patient with yourself to grow your business, to grow your body.
0: Yeah. And just tying this back to mental health, like if you're struggling, invest in a therapist, invest in the help that you need. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you investing in someone who is qualified to help you in any element of your life. Right. But you have to understand that if your psychology is not healthy, if your relationship with self food, exercise relationships, um, if those are not healthy and optimal in a place where you have what you need to push through the mental required to achieve whatever aspirations you have in life. That is going to be the number one thing that's holding you back. And it will chronically hold you back until you sit down and address your own shit.
1: Yep. And it's going to affect other areas of your life that might be going good right now. It's going to eventually bleed over into all aspects of your life. So go get help. Listen, It it doesn't matter how big or small, if if it's bugging you, if it's on your mind, it's big enough to talk about
0: Amen to that. So David, I do want to cut it off here. I don't want to take too much of your time, but thank you so much for coming on and please tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. This is a very important conversation. And I know you and I, we can talk about many topics, so we'll have another I know. one. <laughs> um, you can find me at Mathis Fitness on Instagram. Um, www.coachdavidmathis.com is my website. I have a YouTube channel. It's just my name, David Mathis. And I also have a podcast, which Kate and I did a, an episode a couple months ago, just called the David Mathis podcast on iTunes, Spotify, places like that. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where you can find me.
0: Awesome. And I'll link all of his information for you guys below. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe and write a review for us and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.